Hey, everybody. Welcome to Literary <laughs> Disco on Lit Hub Radio. This is episode 188, Cruel Summer. It's Today, cruel, live cruel summer. via Zoom, we are recording our episode as part of Lumicon 2021, which is a comic convention uh, brought to you by a cohort of libraries in Sonoma County, California, where I grew up. Yay! And today, we're going to discuss the graphic novel Cruel Summer by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. And then we will be taking questions live from our Zoom audience. Uh, Don't is, make it weird. It's going to get weird. No Don't make it I see all your names. We have all your email addresses. Don't make it weird. If you all make right. it weird, only Todd will answer the questions. That yeah, if you make fun. it weird, I will be the one who's answering, like, what was it like in season four? I'm going to answer that. <laughs> I'm going to take that. We'll tolerate right. some Boy Meets World questions, yeah. right? Yes. yes. Sure. Just please, don't make please. it weird. Don't Just make it about the wolf. That's all I'm saying. You can ask about the wolf. I think there will be some good wolf questions. Anyway, <laughs> let, me, let me finish the intro. At least Sorry. just get to you who you people are. All right. This is Literary Disco, the last book club you'll ever need. We are Todd, Julia, and Ryder, three old friends who love to read, debate, and sometimes even agree. I am actor and filmmaker Ryder Strong. Joining me as always are novelist and critic Todd Goldberg and essayist and radio personality Julia Pistel. Hi, guys. Hey. Good to see you. Yeah. So, well, I see you, uh... I see you didn't cut your hair for the show. I, just... uh, I have not cut uh... my hair for the entire pandemic. <laughs> this, is, this is it, guys. It's I, been, um... uh, let's see, March 13th was the, pretty much lockdown at our house, maybe 12th-ish. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's been almost a solid year of no haircut. And, not at all. Uh, this is the, lo- this is the longest my hair has ever been, uh, ever. But the, the closest was when I was 10 years old and I was in Les Miserables. And they wouldn't let me cut my hair because I was supposed to be a, a greasy street urchin. Right. Um, and uh, for a year of my life, everyone thought I was the cutest little girl they'd ever met. Aww. Which was... And you're about to get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the beard helps now. Although I did go to Dodger Stadium to get uh, a, a coronavirus test a couple months ago. And I was wearing my mask and, uh, the, you know, rolling down my window. And the guy was like, ma'am, can you... I was like, whoa, that's the first time that's happened. <laughs> Take off my mask and show the beard. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, eh, you know, whatever. So you, you never had that day. Like I, I thought, well, I'm not going to cut my hair until like we're all free again. Um, and then like I don't know, July rolled up on me, and I was like, Wendy, you need to, you need to cut my hair. And she became fairly expert with the clippers and the scissors because she built an entire grooming station in our house for our dog, also. <laughs> And so now, like, even when this thing's over, I don't think she'll keep cutting my hair, but she's a full-time Cocker oh, Spaniel groomer, oh. toenail clipper for the neighborhood person. Good That's awesome. Me. Yeah. Yeah, but no, she, I, she I've stuck that. it up. The big debate in my house is if I'm allowed to have a ponytail or not. No. Uh, yeah, no. No, no is, <laughs> it seems to be the answer. But, you, can you do know, pigtails, though. I, you know, like, I just wish I could be that person who, like, you know, like, my brother has, has had long hair throughout his life, and he'll, he'll do, like, top knots and, like, ponytails, and there's just no problem. And nobody really even questions it. But for me, the second I could get a ponytail and I did it, my wife was like, no. 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 Yeah. And it's then now thing. my son has picked up on that. So I just the other night, my wife was out. She was working. So she was shooting late into the night. And it was me and my son alone. I was like, mom's not here. So I can do a ponytail because it does. <laughs> it just gets annoying, especially when it's wet. So I did a ponytail and he was like, no, no, dad, don't do it. <laughs> 
Good job, Indy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you I guys have to deal with long hair. You got to teach your son values, you know? And <laughs> thank, thank God Alex is around to do that. <laughs> I So my the one thing like that I like to do that I'm not allowed to do is have a full handlebar mustache because it's the only time in my life I ever look hardcore. And, like, I'll shave and I'll walk out into the living room and Wendy will be like, you need you need to get that crap off your face. <laughs> like, well, how's any different than if I just have stuff in my cheeks too? And she's like, you need to get that crap off your face. And when I say crap, I'm saying crap only because we're in a library. Mm-hmm. Just I'm being polite. And so sometimes she'll be gone and I'll do it and I'll go out like to target or something. And I'll come back and she'll be like, did you go to target looking like that? I'll be like, yeah, like, you need to get that crap. Wow. <laughs> she doesn't understand the bad energy. That's all I'm saying. Wow. She doesn't get it. Oh, the bad. Yeah, I like the good energy. <laughs> so the event that uh, brings us together today is a convention held uh, normally in person in uh, my home county of Sonoma, uh, which is about an hour and a half north of San Francisco. And it's put together by the Sonoma County Library System, which is very near and dear to my heart. And so before we got into Cruel Summer, uh, I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about libraries. Yeah. Uh, because sure. as as book, big book nerds, I'm sure we all have a memory or a story about libraries. Um, in fact, I think, Todd, you've told a story about a librarian that changed your life or something. What, <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> oh, not in a good way? <laughs> well, in a, it was in a good way, but not because of her doing. So, uh, yeah, I told the story like on the first episode of our show. Yeah. Um. And this was when I was um, about 10 or 11, and I just learned to read. So I'm, as you guys know, I'm uh, profoundly dyslexic, and I had just learned how to read. And I would walk down the street. I grew up in Walnut Creek, which is not far from Sonoma. And there was a library uh, just down the street from my house. And uh, after school, my mom worked as a journalist at the Contra Costa Times. And so a lot of times, um, you know, our babysitter was the library, which was great. You know, I, I love going there, and we're a big family of writers and readers, obviously. But I, I went to the Wanna Creek Library and I was grabbing the books I, I really wanted, which was a bunch of books on ghost hunting and um uh, oh and gosh, like so how to do the Ouija board by yourself. And oh. like this, great, it, this goes perfectly with what I was gonna talk about. So yes, keep going. And keep the, going. And the so great funny. myths of our time. Like I, I just I was pretty sure I was gonna be able to train myself how to do outer body experiences yep. if I just read these books. The right All book. of them by the same guy, a guy named Hans Holzer, who I just assume is not a real human being, because if he was, like the, the guy is deeply haunted. At any rate. While looking around for all those books, I then stumbled on a, a slim little book called Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. And for those of you who have read Of Mice and Men, you know it's actually very um, easily, easy to read. It's, it's written yeah. very plain language. Great book. And as a person who had just essentially learned to read, but once I learned to read, I really picked it up quite quickly. Um, I was enamored with the book immediately. And I started reading it in the library and then realized, well, I'm going to check this out and, and take it home. Well, I went up to the counter at the library, and, and I'm sorry, librarians, this is where it turns on you. I went up to the to the counter, and the librarian, who was extraordinarily old, she must have been 26, she said, um, she's like, I'm sorry, you can't check these books out. These books are too old for you. And I was like, what the? I was like, I've been reading them here. Why can't I check them out and take them home yeah. if I read them here? And they were just like, they're too old for you. So I did a thing that um, has rippled throughout my life. I stole them, and I brought them home, where they lived. And thus, your life of crime began. (laughs) That's my life of crime began. 
And so I, you know, I kept these books for like, it was, it was a couple months there under my bed and I was reading them. And then one day my mom um, looked under the bed, probably for the dog or for my dirty clothes or something and found all these books stacked up. I, I mean, I'd stolen like, like seven books. <laughs> And she was like, where the hell did you get Not Playboys, but of Mice and Men. Of Mice and Men (laughs) and books on, on like, the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot. (laughs) And I was like, oh, well, I went to the library, and the librarian wouldn't let me check them out, so I stole them. And so my mom was a lunatic, and I say this out out of love. My mom was an actual crazy person and scary and mean and all these things. And she said to me, get in a, get in a damn car. And I was like, oh, God, I'm in for it now. Yeah. And so she drives us to the library and we walk in. I got all the books with me. And she's like, which librarian said you couldn't check that stuff out? And I was like, oh, oh God, this is no. horrible. I can't believe this is happening to me. This is terrible. And that, this is, it, it's just so great because it's like the reverse of everybody's, yes. you know, and, stealing and so, candy from the store story where they have to go and apologize. This is right. she's making the librarian apologize to you. Well, we're going to get, don't step oh, on the Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think we all see where this is going. Oh, oh, okay. Right, <laughs> so... I point out the ancient 19-year-old crone standing there. <laughs> <laughs> Full of judgment. Books. And my mom parks, drives, you know, drags me over there and she says, did you not let my son check out these books? And the librarian sees the stack of books and she like automatically realizes these are the missing books. And she's like, well, yes, I said they were too old for him. And my mom said, every single book in this library belongs to him. Every single book. And then you know what we did? We turned around and we laughed, and I still didn't check those books out. I still have <laughs> Just kept them. Yeah. No, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, hold on. Uh... No, we're not going to sit here while you go through your... Yes, hold on, show. don't move. <laughs> no, Todd. No, he took his headphones off, so we can't stop him now. Hold really? on. That... That's awesome. What is Let this? me open it to the title page. Of Mice and Men. No, this is 20 cases suggestive of reincarnation. Oh, my <laughs> God. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Contra Costa Library. It's been wow. due for, for 40 years. Incredible. Amazing. I'm so, shocked the demand for that book hasn't been so high that I they know. sought you out. But I love libraries. They saved my life. They really did. It was, it was, they were a bastion for me, despite it also kicking off my criminal career. <laughs> How about you, Julia? Do you have a good library story? Oh, so many. Uh, we went to the library all the time when I was a kid. And then when I was in middle school, the library was across the street. And I would kill that, like, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. time waiting for my mom <laughs> every day. That's where a friend of mine, like, told me about periods. Well, I already knew about them, but she described them in graphic detail. Like, these are the well, good night, of- everybody. <laughs> um, but the story I wanted to tell was I, I actually was briefly a librarian myself. Um, I worked in my college library um, the whole time I went there at Skidmore, and you guys both know my husband, Greg, and we knew each other from other theater activities, but our romance really brewed in the library. I worked shelving books and at the desk, and he worked fi- uh, in IT, fixing all the computers. So his job was incredibly stressful, which was like people would like spill a coffee on the library computers and he would have to fix it. And people would like come crying to him with their laptops. And this is like 1999. So people didn't figure out, you know, well, I'm exaggerating. It's, it's later than that. A few years later, but 
people didn't know how to use their stuff. So he had a very important job and we would leave little, this was right as we started to date, we would leave tiny post-it notes on each other's punch cards to punch in and out of work. Um, And it was just really, it was really nice. Exciting and real. (laughs) But I had such a great time working at the library. It was a great job. And I have many friends that are librarians now who are probably watching. So, And then there's the the great, there's the great Amy Bender short story about the librarian who just has sex all day at the library. That was not me. And, in her book, uh, uh, The Girl in the Flammable Skirt. <laughs> it's a good one. I'm sure that is not appropriate for this event. Uh, yeah, all like, ages, all ages. Just look, just because you're not swearing doesn't mean you're still not being inappropriate. <laughs> look, how just, it's a short story in a piece of literature. Good God. point. How about you, Ryder? Yeah, well, my, okay. uh, you know, I was thinking, I actually, it was reminded very recently of the Sebastopol branch of the Sonoma County Library, which is still like the library for me. I mean, that's where I always went. That's where I, I, it's, it's, it's a very small library, like in retrospect, but of course back then it was huge. And I would just spend afternoons there. And like you, Todd, what I was obsessed with was monsters, ghosts, Mm -hmm. and and particularly werewolves, bringing it back to the the wolf. (laughs) Because I was convinced either that I was a werewolf or that I could somehow turn into a werewolf. And I remember I memorized the cards. You know, they had the – back then there was no computer, so it was all just the the, the, the index cards that you'd have to go through. Right. And I would go through, and there was, like, three books on wolves or werewolves. And I remember checking them out over and over. Every time I went to the library, I checked to see if they had a new book. Um, but the other thing that I was really into was was movie making. And I would check out the only books that the Sebastopol Library had – on filmmaking back in, you know, 1986, when I was there, was, were, were about the films, like the really old school films. So it was about like how to make King Kong in 1936. <laughs> and, and then the, all the old universal horror. And what was so funny is I would obsess over these books and I would read how they made these movies, how they did the makeup. Like I learned how they, you know, would stop the camera and then add more hair to the Wolfman and then start, get another frame, you know, basically learning stop motion makeup effects. And, and I, and I memorized these books and I read all these things about Frankenstein and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And recently, during quarantine, uh, my father-in-law is a big film buff, and we, we entered quarantine with my in-laws. And so he he has been introducing my uh, my son to those old oh, horror films, cool. like all yeah. those old horror films. And what is crazy is I know the storylines. I know everything about – I have never seen the actual movies. <laughs> I realized that what I did was I read all the books about how to make these movies, but I never actually watched them because they weren't really available on VHS in Sebastopol, you know, (laughs) in the eighties. So I, it's so crazy to me now to be able to watch these films and be like, I know what's going to happen next. I know how they shot this scene. Like even, even something like the birds, I've never seen the birds, but I know everything about it. And of course that is also a Sonoma County connection because that was shot in, in Bodega right, right by where I grew up. Um, but yeah, it's so funny to know all the tricks of the visual effects and to actually have like, you know, I have screenshots, but I've never seen the actual movie. So it's been interesting to like go back to, you know, be watching these movies and suddenly be transported back to the Sebastopol library. It's, right. it's very odd. Isn't it weird too going back to your favorite old libraries that you went to as a kid and you walk in and what seemed huge 
tiny. It's like, it's like oh, this is a thousand square feet. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's I just way. wanted to interject real fast about what you were saying, Ryder. We actually are having a film festival in Sonoma oh. County right. with um, our Sebastopol librarian is actually throwing it. So great. Look out for that. Amazing. Yes. Oh, cool. Awesome. Uh, all right. Well, since we're we're already running out of time, <laughs> that's the way we roll. We're gonna go, we're gonna go a little late, I think, you guys. Well, yeah, but I, we definitely want to have some time for some questions. So yes. let's just quickly talk a little bit about Cruel Summer. I mean, part of the reason that we picked Cruel Summer was because we knew this was a a, a comic convention, and so we wanted to do a good graphic novel. And I asked uh, oh, a friend of mine who is a uh, a comic writer for a good recommendation, and he suggested Cruel Summer, which was published in 2020. It's a collection of some old and some new stories from writer Ed Brubaker and artist Sean Phillips, who um, they've collaborated on a bunch of successful crime comics. Uh, most notably, they have a series that's called the Criminal Series, and that's where Cruel Summer draws a lot of its material. Uh, it's the story of one summer in the lives of Teague Lawless and his son, Ricky Lawless. Uh, Teague has spent his life bouncing around uh, as a petty criminal, but in the summer of 1988, he falls in love with a woman named Jane and decides he finally cares about something and he plans the biggest and baddest heist of his career. Meanwhile, his son, Ricky, who is fresh out of uh, juvie, is just beginning his own petty crime spree crime spree and uh and he begins to resent his father and his father's new lover and their intrusion into his life so tensions build between father and son doesn't end and, well yeah basically uh the you know like every great crime story the past just just keeps coming back until everything boils over during teague's big big heist um so what do you guys think have you guys had you guys read any of the criminal series before no uh, I've read uh, other Ed Brubaker stuff, and yeah. um, I've got uh, a ton of respect and admiration for many of the things that he has done. Ooh, I, I hear some damning with faint praise coming up. <laughs> Great children's books open up new worlds for discovery. With Literati Kids, your child can explore uncharted places every month with spellbinding stories handpicked by experts. Literati Kids is a try-before-you-buy subscription book club. Each month, Literati delivers five vibrantly illustrated children's books, bringing the immersive magic of reading right to your home. Each book bundle is thoughtfully tailored by educational experts with five stories meant to spark new interests and nurture a healthy curiosity. Head to literati.com slash literarydisco for 25% off your first two orders. Select your child's book club and start them on a literary journey like no other. From bright ideas to bold adventures, our themed selections keep every little reader curious. And if you're curious too, you can browse some of Literati's past boxes online. Literati.com slash literary disco is the only place to find 25% off your first two orders of this one-of-a-kind book subscription. The most joyful way to foster a lifelong love of learning. That's literati.com slash literary disco. Oh, well, Tom is speechless for the first time. No, I'm not. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you've never read a noir novel before, if you've never seen a noir TV show before, if you've never heard of a femme fatale before, or seen the movie The Town, or read the book that The Town is based upon, you will be very surprised by the twists and the turns in (laughs) Cruel Summer. I, um... 
Well, I think it's a, it's, it's a, this is a, like a, a fastball down the middle of the plate. Like, yeah, it, this it is, is a straight up crime, crime story. There's no surprises. No, there's no, it's, it is by the numbers. Yeah. And, um, as a fan of Ed Brubaker's and as a fan of his work and as a fan of his work as a, a graphic novelist and also as a screenwriter, um, I, I felt like it was every cliche in the book in the book. And I just felt like he's better than that. Mm. Um, however, that being said, the art is absolutely amazing. It's this, amazing. This book is an absolute piece of art. I want to cut out the pages and frame them in my office next to my collection of non-cliched crime novels. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and I would, you know, it's absolutely beautiful. And, and so I just kept wanting him to take bigger chances and, and surprise me with, with the turns of the story took now part of this of course is that it's it's not it wasn't actually written to be read at one time it's a right. serial right. and so as a serial you know the rules are different you know you, what you're experiencing you're experiencing 25 pages at a time or whatever so reading 200 pages of it in a row you just saw the cliche thing he did on page five 15 minutes ago yeah um and so, you know, I, I, I do give him some leverage for that, but I just, I really wanted more from the story because he's so good and so inventive and the art is so incredible. Um, so I, it, it, it left me wanting, frankly. Yeah. Okay. Julia. All right. So first of all, yeah, there's two conversation roads to go down here and I'm going to yeah. go down the, uh, color and illustration road. Um, <laughs> The colorist for this? What's his name? Amazing. Jacob. It, it's Jacob Phillips, who, who I'm assuming might be Sean Phillips' brother. Or, his uh, name relation. should be yeah. right here. Yeah. It's so um, true. Oh, good. It's uh, so like, I'm so excited. I'm always holding up the books to these two when we're recording. Just but we can actually do it. We can actually do it. <laughs> it's so, uh, my camera is more focused on making me look beautiful than anything else, but it's so beautiful. <laughs> Um, the colors are amazing um, and just very evocative. Like there were details I noticed um, from the drawings that I would normally have skimmed over, mm -hmm. like her red leather jacket. I was just so it was so beautifully drawn um, and it, the expressions are very clear and interesting. Um, oh, yeah. Here we go. Here's our girl. You can't really see what page is that? Oh, I can't see. Whatever. Um, but you should look it up. Look up the colors and the drawings are, are just amazing. Um, he also so colors violence extraordinarily well. Yes. Yeah. And it feels hot. Cool. Yeah. And it <laughs> feels claustrophobic. All the things that this story is supposed to feel like. It also feels very 80s. Yeah. There's something about that <laughs> takes place in 1988 and that color palette in particular, that's sort of like, I don't even know how to describe it, but like that oversaturated bright, like it's great. And yeah, I, I actually tend to not like realistic comic art, you know, this, mm -hmm. this style where fake people actually look like real people and you can see, but you're right. The color brought it, brought in an impressionistic tone to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And that, that removed the, the, cause for me, when comics get too realistic, when the, the, the faces are too well drawn, it starts to feel like a collection of photographs and, 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 and it loses some of the, um, 
energy. It loses some of the uh, momentum, mm-hmm. and uh, and especially when you're dealing with violence. But the splash of color here mm-hmm. added that and 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 really elevated the entire thing. Uh, yeah, I I, I agree. I, I'd like to go back to the the the, the crime story point because as yeah, somebody yeah. who does not read crime novels as much as you, Todd. Um, I really did enjoy it. Like I just had so much fun. Yeah, it didn't break any any of the any of the mold, but I enjoyed the mold. Like I had, you know, and actually I came at it from a, a different angle, which which is I want more movies like this. Like I I feel like our our film, especially crime film, has become so less nuanced, less character based. Novels, of course, are all character, all, you know, interior, interiorities. And what I loved about this is that it was somewhere in between the two, mm-hmm. which I, so what it really made me crave is, you know, more films like, like you brought up The Town. The Town is kind of the last film I can think of that had a pretty basic crime structure, a pretty basic crime story, but real characters, interesting, you know, it wasn't amazing, but at least it had um, some depth to it and some originality to it that uh, we don't see anymore. I mean, I think probably because most, most crime stories have been delegated to television. So there, episodic television crime is happening all the time, obviously, but film crime, you know, in the, in the sort of nineties tradition of Tarantino or like that doesn't happen anymore. Those movies aren't getting made. The, the 10 to $20 million crime movie yeah. doesn't really exist. Um, and I reading this book made me want those more. Well, you know, Brubaker did a a show, actually, on uh, Amazon that lasted one season called uh, Too Old to Die Young um, Mm. that was about a crooked cop in a noir L.A., and it looks like this graphic novel. It Mm. actually looks like it. It's shot like a graphic – well, not shot like a graphic novel, like, you know, um, uh, those movies that are done in Cinescope. Sin City. Yeah, (laughs) not like that. But it's – you know, it, it feels like you're looking at panels. And it was it was moody and strange and unusual. It wasn't it wasn't totally successful. I think it was it moved a little too slow. I might be one of the few people that really enjoyed it, um, but it it didn't. So this book has a, a particularly languorous pace. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of character development. It actually employs montage, yeah. uh, which is a really unusual to see in a in a, a graphic novel that's a crime story. Mm-hmm. So and it, lots of narration too. Yeah, lots yeah. of narration, and it's sort of what he does in that show as well. Um, but you know, the, the sort of character driven crime stories, you're right. Like you don't see them as much on, in film as you do now on, on television. They are the MO of sort of prestige TV now. Yeah. Like that crime story is prestige TV. Um, and so that's why I expect more to be perfectly honest with you, because the audience is sophisticated. Now this, these things are, are, it's a collection from several years ago, in fact, um, so, you know, I, I give him some latitude for that, but you know, the, the, so the big crime that they do, which is rendered on the page beautifully, yeah. actually is, uh, they the rob a, like, uh, a, a, a wrestling stadium, like a WWE wrestling event. Um, but it's the same sort of robbery that they do in the town when they, when they rob Fenway Park. Um, but it looks absolutely stunning and that the artist had to draw an entire you know stadium filled with people at a wrestling <laughs> match guy. crazy the amount of work that he had to do must have been nuts yeah. 
Um, so anyway, I, I just, I, I feel like if you've got this level of talent surrounding you, man, give it, give it a story we haven't seen before. So I think the story, what the story sometimes leans towards, and then I read the afterword, which suggests this is a prequel to work about Ricky Lawless, the son, mm-hmm. um, and probably his friend. Um, you know, it's going at some intergenerational trauma thing. And mm-hmm. that is less, you know, less, like I checked out less of the story. Um, but yeah, like, Todd, I'm kind of with you. I I wasn't like angry or like this is bad as I was reading it, but I was more getting into this mode and I also got into this mode while watching Bridgerton where I'm like, why are there some (laughs) genres where we will accept as a culture like that these are our cultural myths and we will hear them basically played like a cover song hundreds or thousands of times and other genres have to push into something like very unique or have to create different characters. Right. Um, and this just, this is just like, I think it knows this criticism, you know, yeah. it already feels this criticism. It's just like, whatever, man, we know what you want. Let's play with the details and yeah. not the larger bones at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of it being a period piece too. You yeah. know, in a yeah. Way. yeah. Yeah. There's like a, there's a nostalgia in the genre itself. Right. For right. the genre itself within it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and even the notion – so part of the story, for those of you who haven't read it, which I assume is, is a lot of you in the audience here today, um, part of this is, you know, there's a, a detective who is looking for this woman. Uh, he's been hired for on a job to find this woman, and he falls in love with this woman that he's tracking. Um, even though he's he only meets her in person one time, he falls in love with her. She's yeah. just so alluring that he's... he's everybody's to, femme fatale. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. Everybody's going to save her. Yeah, everyone's going to save the angel of death. Um, and, you know, he has to track her down. And one of this guy's skill sets, he, he's a terrible fighter. Uh, he, he's not much of a detective, but he can track people down. Like, he knows who to talk to to get information to find a person. We talked about this in an episode recently. A lot of these skills are sort of rendered moot um, in the 21st century because every single person leaves this vast digital, digital footprint. Yeah. In 1988, that wasn't the case. And so you had to shoe leather. You had to go into, you know, in a crime story, at least, you always had to go into the strip club because <laughs> the strip club is where you get your information. <laughs> yeah. At one point, it's like he just sat there and listened for names. I was yeah. like, this is a horrible strategy. Yeah. I was like, all you're going to do if you sit there and listen is hear a lot of Jaw Rule songs. <laughs> but it allowed for some naked ladies in the artwork. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, there was, uh, I was surprised and happy that there wasn't a, a lot of actual movement in the sex scenes. <laughs> that was a mitzvah. Um, so, I mean, like, but see, that's the thing, like, to, to skip back to the sort of the tropes is like, oh, he, like, there's actual scenes in dive bars and strip clubs. Where guys like, have you seen this girl? And then tough guys say the wrong thing and he gets hit with something. And I just, you know, I, I just feel like there's there's more interesting ways to tell that story. And also, I'm not really sure people like that really exist. Like where sure. <laughs> where you can Whereas, go to a strip club and be like, I'm looking for Jane. I'm like, oh, Jane, yeah, yeah. She's- so this is why I like was more gravitating towards the son story because he and yeah. his friend do this yeah. stupid heist where they go into an arcade and try to steal <laughs> money. And then 
give up and try to steal the Miss Pac-Man machine. Which is yeah. awesome. <laughs> but that was a great scene. I, I, yes. I, I agree. I think the Ricky stuff really is, is the reason to read this book. Uh, the coming of age of a, of a young criminal sort of side by side with his, you know, alcoholic washed up father like that. It, it really, I, I love the Ricky stuff. And it, it, that mm-hmm. to me had more nuance and was more interesting. Like all the Dungeons and Dragons stuff they sort of bring oh, in. God. And like, oh, yeah. That chapter with him and his friends is, is the best part of the book. I think yeah. we can all agree. We, like that is really good. We need um, to discuss that Dungeons and Dragons scene though, Ryder, because it's ripped from your and my life. <laughs> I know. So, Guys, so, D&D is cool now. Don't pretend you're nerds anymore. No, no, this no. front page New York Times, I think yeah. yesterday. I, I'm talking the literal scene <laughs> in this. So there's a bunch of guys playing D&D, and Ricky, who's a sociopath, um, like, it's his turn. And, like, this, the, 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 the leader is spinning a crazy yarn, and Ricky says, I take my sword and I stab that guy in the chest. Yeah. And the game collapses. Well, <laughs> ten years ago, Ryder invited me over to play D&D with a bunch of guys, and it started to get boring for me. And so I was like, all right, what I do is I take my sword and I stab that orc in the chest. And they're Did like, you say that? Yes. <laughs> we had a, we had a pretty disastrous night, which inspired Todd to write an article about it for LA Times, and then inspired me to write a short film with my brother that we made called The Dungeon Master. It was it was a pretty epic night, that, you know. But this was back in two thousand and nine when playing D and D was still something you had to kind of keep secret. Right. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I think I think if we want to open up to questions, we should probably yeah. do that sooner rather than later. So I think the the consensus on Cruel Summer. If you want, like, a good, straightforward cry, like, a, a warm bath of genre, go for it. With a but little bit you, of murder. A little yeah, bit of murder. It's a very relaxing, yeah. very violent. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but if you if you have a sophisticated crime uh, palette the way Todd does, it's probably going <laughs> to, it's probably going it, to, it, yeah, it, it's, it's like a good Chardonnay, you know? For, you, for those of us who are not, like, big crime people, it was great. Look, yeah, if you aren't reading it critically, it's fun. You know, it's, yeah. it's a perfectly fun way to enjoy it. And the art is absolutely incredible. You know, it really is. And I was saying this to, uh, to Wendy as I was reading, and I was like, hey, you know, I don't really love this story, but, man, I just like having this book in my hands. Like, the book is substantial. It's, like, it's heavy yeah, it's and it's nice beautiful. Cover. And when you're reading it, you're aware of it on your lap or on your stomach or wherever you hold your book. <laughs> um I mean, it, it's worth it's worth the read if you just want to. If you like going to action movies on a Saturday morning, this is a perfect action movie for a Saturday morning. Yeah, exactly right. All right, All so right, shall I we uh, shall we pivot to taking some questions from the yeah, audience? Yeah, Karen, why don't why don't you uh, choose some people for us to uh, to talk? Now remember the the orders I gave at the start of the show, everybody. That may be weird. <laughs> I see questions coming in, weird. and they're all yeah. good. There are some questions coming in through the chat. If you guys would like to be on camera, you can raise your hand. The first one um, through the chat is, how long in advance do you choose the books for your podcast? Mm. Mm. (laughs) We have a very professional process, start to finish, if I may answer. Um, I, You know, it's weird because I know all three of us are very organized and responsible in other areas of our life, but it's just, it is literally emailing your friends being like, what are you guys reading? What should we read? What haven't we done in a while? And then we just decide like that. And yeah. it can, it's usually 
at least a couple weeks or a month before so we have time to read. I mean, I think people think we're reading like superhuman speeds, but we're really not. We have to give ourselves a couple weeks for each book. Yeah, we tried to be systemic at one point. I remember we had like a Google Doc that we were keeping track of like books we could read and trying to jump from show. And then we threw it all out the window. Now it's just literally like, what about next week? What do we have? What are we reading? What are you reading? And then we all jump on board and, and yeah, it's But it's, I will say our, yeah. our, we have been really committed and this is my favorite thing about our podcast. And I, I do sometimes wonder how I would read if we didn't have this podcast. We are committed to keeping things different, switching it up a lot. So, like, one of us will feel an itch, like, guys, we haven't done poetry in a really long time, or we've done all male writers, we've got to do a woman. Like, these are the conversations we're having. And I'm sure we have big blind spots and we miss stuff all the time, but we're kind of motivated by the variety. So yeah. that's how we decide. And also, too, you know, if there's something that's a huge, massive book that's being reviewed everywhere, we're unlikely to do it unless it really is speaking to a larger thing that we want to talk about like we didn't review um american dirt for instance you know like there's plenty of conversation that's going on about that leave that to them you know we're going to talk about something that um you know is might be beyond the moment you know uh or we're going to read something that we can make fun of and (laughs) and turns out our best episodes are when the books are bad so <laughs> yeah, when a book true. is good, we tend to be pretty boring. That's but then, sure. you know, things will come along. Like we just did an episode with um, with George Saunders. And, you know, I don't know if we would have read seven Russian short stories if George Saunders wasn't about to be on the show. Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, as a person whose family had to escape from Russia. <laughs> um, but that, you know, that was a really cool experience. And I think it broadened our horizons a little bit as as well. Okay, uh, I see. Annette, you have your hand raised. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to unmute. Well, I had my Boy Meets World shirt on today. I wanted to show you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Corey. All right. (laughs) There you are. It's nice to see all of you and get to talk to you today. Um, My question is, was there a book that you read maybe when you were younger that you didn't like, but then you decided to read it again and you enjoyed it? Excellent question. Yeah, that's a good one. Wow. Uh, I've definitely had that experience. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, even what if I feel like we read something on our show when this happened for me. Um, but I, I actually, I think The Great Gatsby was one that really hit home when we read that recently. Because that was one that, you know, you sort of read dutifully as a as a high school student or college student. And I remember it being like, sure. Okay, you know, this is just this this is a fine book. And when we reread it for the 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 show lately, it blew my mind how excellent that book is. And uh, I know the copyright just uh ran out on that book, so now it's public domain and I, I think a lot of people are rediscovering it right now. Um and I it's just I it's one of the most perfect books ever written. It's like one of those that actually deserves all the praise it's gotten. A book that I hated when I was younger and I still hate is Catcher in the Rye. I'm gonna say that. <laughs> Never got that book. Never got it as a teenager. Like we're gonna have to read it. Yeah, I don't like it either, writer. Good. Like All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. All right, Marisol. I just wanted to say that it's a birthday present. Aw. Happy birthday, Marisol. Yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> Would you like me to sing you the birthday song from the diner I worked at in college? Yes. <laughs> yes. No. 
Yeah. Here we of go. Of course she does. Here we go. Okay. You ready? You ready, Marisol? Here we go. Hey, we're here to celebrate a very special day. The day that Marisol was born, and we'd like to say we're going to sing and dance and play. Hey, you're going to blow out the candles, and you'll be on your way. It's your birthday now. Do what you want to do. It's Marisol's birthday party, and we'll sing it for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Marisol, what's your favorite book? Yeah. Or just a book that you love that we should read in your <laughs> honor. Um, we don't know. <laughs> we wanted to ask you if you can recommend us a graphic novel for. Sure. Ooh, what's a good graphic novel? Oh, we read a good one. Um, oh, you know what's a good one is Black Hole. You might like Black Hole. That's a weird one. It's a weird one. It's a you weird might... one. It's a little gross. Yeah. I would say of the graphic novels that we've read on our show, my favorite is still Fun Home. Yeah. I was going to say that. I forgot that yeah. we read that, but yeah. that's like the best ever. And then yeah. if you really want to nerd out, you can uh, check out the musical soundtrack they made of it because it is amazing. Yeah. Fun Home is fun really home good. Fun Home is so good. Yeah. Or Happy you birthday, can just Marisol. buy some, some old Shel Silverstein books, which I'm a big fan ¿Cuál, of. ¿Cuál fue la primera novela gráfica que leyó el writer? Which one was the first novel graf graphical novel who writer read? First graphic novel I read. Um, what was it? Um, it was probably the uh, the uh, what was the Batman Returns one? The the Frank um, the Dark really Knight. Dark Knight. No, what was it called? Was it the Dark Knight Returns? It's the old. It was in the eighties. So it's amazing. Uh, I'm totally blanking on the uh, the title, but uh, yeah, either that or actually, The Watchmen, of course, wow. is like yeah. one of the first because I was never a big comic book person, but reading The Watchmen really, you know, that blew my mind as far as what yeah. graphic novels could be. So, so I'm also seeing in the chat a ton of suggestions. So, people watching, you should open up your chat, and Marisol, you definitely should because you guys are just as big readers as us, and you have a lot of cool ideas. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Happy birthday, Happy Marisol. Birthday. I love you, Robert. Thank you. <laughs> Happy birthday. What about me and Julia? <laughs> I love you, Todd. I love you, I Julia. Love <laughs> All right, who's next? I Julie's think while they're here. figuring it out, I see a million in the chat. I'm just going to read one out loud. Okay. Okay. I'm just, what my eyes are landing on. How goes the American Girl Book Project? We're working on it. We are okay, on next it. Next question. <laughs> We're on it. Chris. Yeah. Chris, hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Chris, are you driving right now? No, my wife is driving. <laughs> 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 Don't worry, good. good. Um, Where are you guys going to? We're going to a uh, a very masked and distant dinner at my parents' house. Oh. Yes. Say so, to mom and dad for us. We appreciate them. We will. We will. You. I'll say this is that I um. I'm a teacher and a school librarian, and I use uh, many of your books as, like, a purchasing list. Oh, oh cool. great, great. Like, That's many, awesome. uh, so many 11th and 12th graders have enjoyed their there. Um, <laughs> and it's really cool to see. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that's that's yeah. great. Where, where do you live, Chris? Um, I'm in New York, kind of, like, right outside the city. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, I teach at uh, uh, Valley Stream, which is, like, the next town outside of Queens. Oh, how cool. That's yeah. awesome. So my question to you guys is um, what book um, that 
you feel like generally everybody likes, but you have abandoned and couldn't get through. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. God, yeah, there's a lot. My God. Um, yeah, Todd, why don't you start on your list? And I'll try to think of one. Well, I mean, there's the obvious choice for longtime listeners of the show, which is Moby Dick. Look, I get it. But have you ever actually started Moby Dick, Todd? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, you yeah. have? Okay. I was in 11th grade, just like the rest of you. Um, I lied and read the spark notes or whatever. Um, <laughs> God, there's anything by Salman Rushdie. Anything. Mm. Like, I've tried to read, like, 10 different Salman Rushdie books. I'm like, eh, can't do it. Um, gosh, there's a lot. Uh, you, you give one, Julia. Well, I think of other people that I, I think, hate. Um, my books. candidate for books I think I should finish and then don't finish is biographies. Like, oh, yeah. Great biographies, really good. But the time investment is just extreme. Um, so I can't think of a specific one. But, yeah, those are the ones where you read half of it, you tell everybody the factoids you know, and then – Mysteriously, you don't know anything after the person's about 40. <laughs> and then Leah Coca died. I mean, mine is, mine is I, I've talked about it on the show before. I think I brought it up like early on. Is is very predictable, but it's Infinite Jest, oh, which yeah. is one of those books that like when I was going to school in New York in my early 20s, every, every good like reader I knew was like, oh, no, it's the best book ever. You have to read it. And so I tried and I did like it. I actually like would love passages, but then I just could not get through it. And I've tried it four times and I am a huge David Foster Wallace fan in terms of his nonfiction, but for whatever reason, and I like his short fiction too, like brief interviews with hideous men. I really enjoyed, but man, the uh, infinite jest, like, and I, I, I guess, you know, now it's kind of a, it, it, it's, it's, History has not judged that book as, as kindly as, <laughs> as the, so maybe I shouldn't feel as bad about it, but I still feel like I should one day, like, you know, take it on vacation yeah. and actually finish it. Cause I feel yeah. like it's one of those books, but, you know. but I mean, wh- you could read that or you could read like seven other books in the right. time they could take you to read that. But here's the thing, Todd, I actually still think about parts of that book. Like there are mm-hmm. passages from that book that still occur to me. And so that makes me think that I should probably get through it um i don't know but yeah i do still think of it so you're just waiting for the right time in your life i get it yeah look one day they'll make a they'll make a netflix show it'll be it'll be 37 episodes and you can just watch all the tennis and that and it'll be great you'll love it (laughs) okay thank you chris thanks chris thanks chris thanks drive drive safely wife what's your wife's name her name's meg Meg, Thank drive you, safely. Meg, for Super it. weird that you guys hopped on in the car. Love I don't it. think that's weird at all. Get with the times. See you guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay, while they're queuing up the next one, I'm going to read another suggestion. We're still okay. pandemic. Things are bleak. Can we get a fluff episode? I suggest Lurleen McDaniel, which was uh, books about kids with cancer. Um, we should do that. Okay, okay, next. Casey Frankenberger. Hi, Casey Frankenberger. And your iPhone. Are you also in your car, Casey? I am also in my car. I am in the driver's seat, but I'm in the parking lot in Richmond, Virginia, where I work at a college library. So I'm also a library person. Uh, It must be very um, cold there. Are you cold? Are you okay? Is the heat on? It's supposed supposed to snow tonight, and I'm actually heading to babysit for my dentist. So I've got my coat on because when I leave his house, it's going to be very late. There's a story. There's a story here. There's a lot going on. Do you I know, have, right? Do you have diabetes? <laughs> I, I do not. 
AC, what's your question? Ignore him. Just ignore Todd. From the babysitter. She's a diabetic. Oh, my God. You're right. Stacy. Okay. Go ahead, Oh, yeah. I get it. I totally get it now. Thank you, Todd. Um, You're welcome. My question is, (laughs) my question is, um, how do you think that this show and doing this show, because I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. um, Um. how do you think this show has changed uh, your relationships with each other? And also, alternatively, if you can't think of something to say for that, what's your, like, favorite literary disco memory? Aww. That's a good question. Um, I'll start with my favorite literary disco memory, and that is Ryder's voice doing the hobo in the Hardy Boys. <laughs> oh, yeah. I... I Actually, almost wet my pants. That Hardy Boys that episode. Voice. That that's probably our best episode. That Hardy that's Boys old. episode. Yeah, I've listened to it just to just to laugh because it is. I've never laughed that hard in my life. While what you're saying is, I should record an audiobook of Hardy Boys. Oh we should just God. start releasing that as episodes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, His voice caused an actual physical reaction in my body. Um, well, what I can tell you about our relationship to each other is very simple, which is um, I love these people like they're my family. I, I love them like they're in my family before, but I love them like the family I actually care about now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we've never been closer than we have been, particularly in the last you know year and a half that we've been stuck at home. This thing that we do um, has been a real refuge for, I think, uh, the three of us. Um, and, you know, I would bail either of them out of jail using my own money without a, without a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I think that this, this show is, is it, you know, as a, as a sort of project slash hobby slash job has evolved and it's changed a lot. You know, when we first started it, I, I feel like we, we didn't even really, like I had just discovered this new thing called podcasts, you know, and, and now we live in an environment where podcasts are just everywhere and it's the thing that everybody has. But for me, like, yeah, like at this point, what has gone from, what has gone from like a way for us to, to, to discuss books and, and also to like, um, you know, connect with other people in the world has also become just a very personal friendship thing that is like, I share, I share my reading life with these two in a way that, I mean, you know, at this point, most of the books I read are for literary disco. Um, mm-hmm. and that's so, cool like you know and it's not only with julia and todd but i feel like with all the longtime listeners out there like we're all reading the same books and that is just like it just as the time goes on it just keeps building in momentum and i feel like at this point we can't stop like yeah. we're going to be doing some version of literary disco until the day i die because i love it so much <laughs> and you know i love these two so much and yeah like todd said like this last year really drove that home it's like because I didn't want to read, right? Like it did, I, I've mentioned on the show before, like it didn't feel good to read. Or I didn't, couldn't make the time and so much anxiety and the world felt awful. And like having these two in particular and like being able to talk both, both for the show, but also we check in and sometimes we'll talk for like an hour and a half before or after we record. Yeah. And that's just, you know, I just, I love these guys so much. And that, so at this point it's like, you know, I can't quit you. Oh, yeah, one true. thing that I will add, this is such a great question, Casey. Um, is, and then we have questions about your dentist, frankly, that I need no, that, that answer. We have so many more fans and listeners, and we're going to go for a while, so don't worry. Okay. We're not going to sign off. Um, <laughs> I think it has been really fast. Well, first of all, we recently had a text chain like, 
I love you guys. I love you guys. One of those text change, which is just so heartwarming. Um, but we all have, when we met, we were all doing the same creative project, which was an MFA program. And we were writing not similarly, but we had sort of the same creative stuff going on. And now we've really branched out into some very different worlds. And we talk about our creative stuff and our creative ideas and processes behind the scenes and sometimes on the show a lot. And that has been really neat, too, to just have that, like, oh, mm-hmm. what are you working on? Oh, it's so hard to write right now. Or Todd's always like, I wrote five books last weekend. I was so <laughs> How do I, Joyce um, Carol Oates? <laughs> but that has been really nice. And I will also say, because people are always giving Todd and Ryder a hard time for being jerks, uh, especially you, Todd. Yeah, I got that. And you know <laughs> but they are really the warmest, most emotionally generous people that, you know, some of my closest friends and closest male friends, and we talk about everything and like, how could you ever give that friendship up? The books are the side project. You know, yeah. the relationship is the main event. Yeah, oh. that's true. So, Casey, just real, real quick. Um, <laughs> no, like, no. So Goodbye, he's, Casey. He's up in your <laughs> mouth you and he's like, hey, I've got a kid. <laughs> yes. Would you watch it? Oh, you're muted. We can't hear you. Seems like a good story, though. Yeah. Um, it happened the other way around. Babysitting first, then he became my dentist. So they have twins now. So I've been with them for three years. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, okay, that's luck. better. Frankly, creepy. No matter what. Thank you. Thanks, Casey. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Guys, that's not a safe relationship. We're waiting for the next <laughs> one. Okay. This is the reverse of the other question we got. What cla- cliche novel do you actually love? Oh, this is rapid fire till the next person comes. Uh, cliche novel. I actually love um, illusions by Richard Bach mm-hmm. <laughs> or Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Okay. I'm having a hard time just deciding what a cliche novel is. I mean, I guess like Grapes of Wrath or uh, I mean, if Mice and Men is a cliche novel, it's great. Right. Uh, Hi, Elise. Hi. Hi, Elise. You're up. Hi. I love your guys' show. I love listening to it every week or month, whenever it is. Well, boy, <laughs> <Whenever it's laughs> thank you. So I'm really into filmmaking, so this is kind of more towards writer. So like, any suggestions for, like, screenwriting or, like, filming, like, videography or anything like that? I mean, yeah, like, just, uh, I mean, when it comes to filmmaking, you just have to make stuff. Because, you know, so whatever you can do, however you can make it, uh, if it's your iPhone and, you know, a stop motion project with Legos, just make mm-hmm. something. Because the, you know, everybody, especially like here in Los Angeles, like, I can't tell you how many people want to be filmmakers and maybe they have talent, but there's no way to know because they haven't made anything. And uh, whatever you make, even if it's like, you know, obviously if you want to make great TV shows or great movies, anything you make is a stepping stone towards the next thing and it will only get better. So just make something. Um, and then when it comes to writing, uh, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of reading every screenwriting book out there. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the like Hollywood manual that has, you know, been way overdone, but you should probably read is save the cat. Uh, the other one is story by Robert McKee, but just read them all. Uh, it won't hurt. You know, I've, I've met a lot of very, very unsuccessful screenwriters and they all have the one thing in common, which is they believe that they can write scripts without ever having read anything about screenwriting and without reading scripts, yeah. which is crazy to me. 
Uh, part of the reason I had a leg up on screenwriting is because I had been acting for so many years and I had been reading scripts for so many years. And you can find scripts online all over the place. And I, I highly recommend finding unproduced scripts. Um, if you, you, you can find blacklist scripts, scripts that have won on the blacklist, you know, that's the annual screenwriting competition. And often you can find those scripts uh, uh, from a couple years ago, even if the movie hasn't been made. The reason I say find unproduced scripts is because if you're reading a script that has been made, oftentimes it's a transcription. It's not the original screenplay. It's like somebody's taken and re- written it based on the movie. But also it removes the imagination. If it's a movie you love to read the script, it's better to read something that's completely new. Uh, and yeah, and like you can bust through a screenplay in two hours. So I would say if you want to be a screenwriter, just read a script a day. Read a, mm-hmm. at least a couple scripts a week because it only helps. Even if you hate them, it, it only helps. And there's a yeah. great oh, website. The there's a great website if you Google it. Uh, if you Google... Uh, television pilots and it has all the the pilots that were picked up in the last in the last season they have their actual pilot scripts and it has a stack of the rejected pilots also that were never shot and it goes back like 15 years so for both british and u.s television yeah cool. by the way i tried reading middle march with you guys i got through the first like two and a half books and i was like i nope like, uh, you I, checked out. I couldn't okay. i got through like half of it and i bought the book because it by the time the library book was ready you guys had already started so i ended up buying <laughs> and it was the copy that was falling apart so uh, that was fun yeah. well I dorothea just... in the end kills the dragon okay <laughs> thanks elise thanks elise yeah, thanks, elise. yeah. yeah. All right. I'm seeing a lot of requests for Moby Dick or War and Peace, you guys. Oh, no. It's a long pandemic. I've, oh, no. I've, I've got some stuff. There's football on, so <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> and um, let's see while we're waiting for the next one. Okay. Some of these questions I know are not rapid fire questions. Um, is there a genre we haven't tried out? Oh. Well, we read we read a Christmas romance. That was great. I must have clicked on two people. That's all right. <laughs> um, you know there... what we haven't done? We haven't done a narrative like book long poem. Oh, we got no. Yeah, we did. We did, we did Gabriel. Oh, we did. We did Gabriel. Yeah. Of course. Damn. Uh, okay. We, well, we're, we're gonna think we, about it. If you guys observe anything we haven't done, shoot us, us a tweet. And yeah. We'll, we'll get on that. Yeah. Hi, Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi there. Um, I wondered whether there was a, a sort of genre of book that you would like to read more, but that you tend not to get to. Um, I, I asked because for me, it, it tends to be, I, I read a lot of kind of guilty pleasures and, and fiction, that sort of thing. I always wish that I read more nonfiction or poetry. Do you have anything like that? That's sort of your, your one that you tend to avoid. Yeah. I'd like to read more horror, actually. Um, I tend not to get scared much by horror anymore, but when I read a really good horror novel, it's, as Julia is experiencing right now, uh, it's a it's a great experience. So, like I I, I mentioned this on the show the other day, um, the only good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones scared the crap out of me. I didn't sleep in the same room with it, and I just absolutely loved it. And Julia is listening to it on uh, on Have audio like right now. Minutes left. I just stop it to do this. I'm, <laughs> I'm actively scared at this moment. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to read more horror. What about you, Julia? Well, uh, first of all, I want to say that I totally get the guilty pleasure thing. I read, and I think a lot of people read this way, but don't admit it. I have to go like every other. Like if I read a really intense book or a really 
sad book or whatever, you, you got to have a palate cleanser. Yeah. You got to have a chaser. Um, and when you're in a really like difficult time in your life, like I think at least half of us on this call are like, you got to do a bunch in a <laughs> row. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't feel bad about that, but you know, I used to read a lot more like historical nonfiction, like devil in the white city. I know a lot of people like that would go really in depth to some period. And we read that amazing one about native Americans. What was that called? You guys? About Native Americans? Oh, the what, oh. oh my God, it's a complicated title. Killers of the, Killers of the, of the Flower Moon. Flower Moon, yeah. Um, and I, I, whenever I stumble on an amazing one, I'm like, I wish I read like this all the time because it becomes a part of your knowledge and a part mm-hmm. of your life. So it's been a while for me, and thanks for the question because I'm going to go back and Google yeah. around and see what's really good in that genre. Devil in the White City is like in my DNA. Like if someone's eating an ice cream cone, yeah. I'd be like, I don't know if you know this. But ice cream cones were first introduced at the World's Fair. Ever seen <laughs> like, a Ferris wheel? Yeah. <laughs> and there was a murderer on foot. Right. <laughs> How about you, Ryder? Uh, I, I, I think I have a, a, a kind of a weird answer. I wish I read more guilty pleasure stuff. Like, I wish I, uh, like, I think I put too much pressure on myself as a reader often. So, like, I'm always like, oh, I got to read something that's going to change my life or make me, you know, educate me in some way or I don't know. And, like, yeah, I mean, even just thinking about this question, like, I don't ever read, like, funny things. Like, I should read more humor or just, like, relaxing stuff because yeah. I think I think we all put so much pressure on ourselves, but, you know, about reading in general. But I feel like I've been really hard on myself and, like, just thinking about that question, I'm like, well, I should just read more for, for fun. And I don't know exactly what genre that is except maybe humor, which is kind of a tough genre. I'm not I even sure. I think that's the hardest genre of all. Yeah. Maybe like comedic essays like David Rakoff right. or Sarah Vowell or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I should probably just, die. yeah, because I think often like part of the reason it's hard to get reading is that I've, I've, you know, it's like I've picked a really hard book for myself. Right. So yeah, being easier. Yeah, know. House of Leaves for Pleasure was probably <laughs> a mistake. Oh, that, call. Yeah, that was... Laura, thank you so much. What a nice question. Thanks, Laura. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. I think, very interesting. I think Yaz was next. Was, was it Yaz that was next? I remember seeing Yaz pop up. I love that song, that record Take upstairs at Eric. Right. Spellman files. Hi. Hi, Yaz. Hi. How are you? Oh, um, good. Sorry. <laughs> Don't um. cry. Don't cry. Take all the screenshots <laughs> you need. <laughs> Um, first of all, I just want to say I hated reading, and then I saw your podcast after I watched Boy Meets World. I was like, yes, reading. (laughs) And, um, so, sorry. My question (laughs) is, um, what was your favorite book growing up as a child? Hmm. Ryder, what was your favorite book? I'm trying to remember. Um, well, my favorite, like, kids' book. I remember was a, and I, I'm not going to remember the author's name, but it was a book called Skinny Bones, um, which was, I think, just a sort of YA uh, coming of age slice of life. All I remember is that there's, it's, it starts with a, he's like a kid who like can't play baseball, and um, and I don't know, he ends up like it, it starts with him trying to enter an essay contest to be uh, the star of a commercial, and you. And then it like it goes through his life, and at the end of the book, you find out that he actually that essay won him the the stuff. Oh. So I don't know. Maybe I just related to it because it was like a kid who kind of became a kid actor by the end of the book, and he was like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really remember that much about him. Like I said, I can't remember the author's name, but that was definitely my favorite book until I, you know, when I was like eight or nine, 
And uh, I really liked Encyclopedia Brown when I was Love a kid too. Um, and then, yeah, by the time I was like 12 or 13, I was, I was all in Stephen King. So mm-hmm. <laughs> by 12, uh, I read It uh, and uh, The Stand, and those became my favorite all the way through, mm-hmm. you know, adolescence. What about you, Julia? Um, you know, the book that flashes to mind, I'm sure I talked about this like episode two because it's that major in my memory, is this book, The True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle. By oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just a quick summary. It's about this girl who um, she's like the wealthy passenger. She's the only passenger on a ship. And then there's a mutiny on board and she joins the crew and cuts off her hair and stuff like that. And it was just, I've read this book probably like 30 times um, because it's, it's like the cornerstone to my whole entire like personality in terms of reading life. It's like social justice. It's riches to rags. It's just really fun. And that's for kids a little younger, but I would recommend it to anybody. It's just a good time. Uh, You just watch somebody get cool in real time. So, really good. How about you, Todd? Uh, 20 cases suggestive of reincarnation. No. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, well, I, I mentioned this on the show, but my favorite book when I was a little, little kid was Super Pickle, about a pickle that's a superhero. Um, <laughs> but then once I was really able to read, just like Ryder, you know, I started reading a lot of Stephen King. But also when my brother went off to college, he left me like these two great big bags of like, early crime novels, like noir novels. And those, those were my YA books. It was like old Elmore Leonard and Donald Westlake and Jim Thompson stuff, totally wildly inappropriate for a 10 or an 11 year old to be reading. Um, but you know, the, the one book that I, I think about a lot about my childhood, and we did actually talk about this on the show is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. That was the book that made me feel, um, it made me feel normal. You know, like I thought I was a weird little kid, who saw the world in an unusual way and thought things that were funny that other people didn't, other people didn't think were funny. And Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy made me feel like I had a best friend in my hands. Um, oh, so I, I would use that one. What about you, Yaz? What was your favorite book growing up? Um, probably would be the graphic novel, The Babysitter's Club. Yes. yes. Have you seen the new show? Because it's really good. They got season two. Oh, what? Oh. I gotta hear it from the youth. What's up with the crazy hats? Do they have the crazy hats in the TV show? No. What are you talking about? It's it's really good. The one character has a crazy hat. Probably Claude. The um the one who likes to design things? Yes. Oh no, she she's normal in the show. (laughs) (laughs) She's normal. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, yes. Yeah, thanks. Did you get all your pictures? (laughs) Sorry. Did you get did you get enough pictures? Yeah, I You're need good. proof that I actually. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we'll sign an affidavit. It's fine. <laughs> Thanks, yes. Yeah, yes. Thank you. <laughs> it needs proof. Okay, wrap For when the FBI fire. comes, did you? Wrap speak oh, oh someone drug. said Skinny Bones was written by Barbara Park, and I think that that's correct. Yeah. Cool. Okay, right. here's a rapid fire. Do you guys have a favorite word? Ooh, like something I say too often. No, like a cool word. Oh. Uh, here's one that pops to mind for me. Uh, my daughter, who's three, just learned the word astonished, and we're really using that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I I think we talked about this on the show because we used to do, like, a word thing on the show. But <laughs> my favorite word is synesthesia. 
Like, I just, I love the sound of it, and I also love the concept. I just think it's the coolest. Anyway. Uh, lurid. Okay. All right, Nicole, you're up. What's your question? Hey, guys. Hi. Ryder, I'm a big fan of Boy Meets World. I know everybody keeps saying that, but I grew up with you guys, and I have all the seasons at home. So just throw that out there. Um, Awesome. So my question was actually already asked, so I'm going to ask a different one. um, I'm actually uh, sneaking away to watch this because I'm in my capstone class and writing 10-page papers every week for my MBA. And so my question is – for all you guys, is what is what inspires you to write or be creative? Wow. Oof, that's a lot. Well, number one, where are you getting your MBA? Um, Bramman University. All right, very well. We'll allow that. Go Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do with your MBA? Um, I plan to work in marketing. That's that's actually my emphasis. So um, I le- actually like, love writing. So I, w- I would ideally love to do something that was about, you know, some sort of marketing writing, I guess. Is I've what done I'm a looking. lot of that. There's, yes. oh, awesome. there's a big ranch. There, there is a world for it. Uh, all right, Julia, so that Ryder and I have more time to think. Yeah, exactly. Julia just pawned it off on us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, like, I, asked, I asked Nicole questions so you guys could think. That's what a yeah. friend does. I was listening. <laughs> yeah, we were engaged in her I answers. Was, right, I, Ryder, was, you go I was dampened I really, for you guys. I mean, I, I, I definitely, well, first of all, like, actually writing is always hard. It never gets easy. It's always, it's always hard to start. Uh, once, once you get to the, to the place where the thing is actually, um, in process, uh, it starts, it starts getting exciting to, to sit back down and write again. But you have, like, facing the blank page always sucks. It's, it's kind of like running. Like, I hate running. And, you know, I have friends who are big runners and I've asked them, like, does it ever, the first two miles ever get easier? They're like, no, the first two miles always suck. And I feel like the same way about writing. But it's worth it if you do it. But in order to, uh, in terms of being inspired creatively, I, it, it, the cheesy answer is I just, I seek out good material. You know, like when I read good stuff or when I watch good movies, I am inspired. If I, you know, if I've gone through a period of watching crap or settling for stuff I don't really care that much about, I just, I, I, I do find myself less creative. But when I, um, you know, it's, when I really challenge myself, especially in terms of like movies, like content, you know, like if, if, if I go on to like Netflix and I just settle for the, the first recommendation, you know, Tiger King, whatever, I'm usually not that inspired. I'm entertained, but I'm not inspired. But if I go a little deeper and I challenge myself and I, and I give myself permission to like turn it off if after 15, 20 minutes, I'm, I'm not entertained, forget about it. But, um, it, you know, for me, like I go into like Criterion Channel or I, I dig a little deeper. I challenge myself to watch something that, you know, might be a little more highbrow or just weirder. And I'm usually inspired. I usually walk away being like, all right, I never want to make anything like that. But just having something different and original, um, you know, we have, there's so many options out there. And unfortunately, as as the options, the more information, the more access we have, I feel the tendency in myself. And I think culturally, we all are feeling this. To, to go for the, the the more mainstream, the the simplest, biggest hit, and uh, I, I, tr- I every time I resist that tendency, I feel better. Um, so yeah, I would just say work, you know, seek seek out weird stuff and it'll inspire. So you. I've got an answer. I I finally processed. So I have two totally different modes of creativity 
I have my own writing, which is different than these guys in that I really only do nonfiction. And then I have my improvising life, which is improv comedy and improvise, you know, fun stuff. And the relationship between those two is that what pushes me to create either of those things is like, how do I render this thing as true? So when I'm writing, I'm like, I ha- I've had this experience or I've had this feeling or this observation. And I'm like, I cannot rest until I put this into the words that feel right. And I know it's cliche, but that like I write to find out what I think, which is a Joan Didion quote. Like I feel that about a lot of major events where I'm like, I have to write, write about this before it is truly processed or understood. Mm -hmm. Um, and with improv, it's also like, how do I create this thing in a way that's just so true that it makes a big connection, which is what makes people laugh. That's what creative nonfiction and comedy have in common. It's connecting Mm -hmm. things that were not previously connected. So people have this big emotional response, whether it's like, holy crap, that's so true, or holy crap, that's so funny, that's really close connection. So that's the feeling I'm always trying to go for. I try to get it for myself first, and then hopefully it, it <laughs> translates to something else. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Todd? Well, you know, it depends um, what I'm writing about. You know, like for my new book out on Tuesday, The Low Desert, available everywhere. <laughs> um, oh, there it is, right behind me. Um <laughs> You know, I was writing, I, I'm I'm often more interested in the aftermath of conflict than I am in the conflict itself. And it, that's something I can more easily explore in a short story than I can in a novel. A novel, you really want to see, you know, the conflict laid out bare and, and, and worked from all the different angles. So in a collection of short stories, I'm, I'm interested to see how people live their lives after something bad has happened. Um, there's a quote from the Talmud that I thought about as I was writing this book. And you might think, for long-time listeners, that sounds like bullshit. This is actually true, um, which is uh, a prisoner cannot free himself. And that was sort of my um, my thesis statement that I was going to write about for all of these stories. When I'm writing nonfiction, I'm, I'm invariably trying to parse the things that have troubled me most about my life, trying to make sense of the things that have haunted me. Um, and sometimes that's not fun to write about. And by putting it out there in the world, part of my goal is to ease the burden of somebody else. Um, and then when I'm writing screenplays, uh, it's because I really like nice things. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Nicole. Good luck with your MBA. Thank yes. you. Bye. Don't invest in GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, people are saying they missed the games. We're going to have to bring right. back some games. Oh, but Sandy's here. Sandy first. Oh, we got to check out what's on Sandy's refrigerator there. Is that her fridge behind her? What is that? No, I think that's her door. Oh, is that your door? What does that say back there, Sandy? Darling, just hold on. Got unmute. Yeah. Bottom left. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, hi. 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 Uh, no, it's my bookshelf. Oh, I see. Okay. Gotcha. Um, First of all, I just wanted to tell a writer that he's a great inspiration to me, and thank you for that. Um, My question for you all is, what book do you think that describes the best your personality and why? Ooh, God, that's a good question. Wow. Wow. Personally? Yeah. 
our okay. our actual personality. Oh my god! I got it. For, I got mine. I'm ready. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. No. <laughs> um, Out of Sight by Elmore Leonard. Wow. That is that is an accurate appraisal of the the good, the bad, and the ugly in me. Is it right funny? Is it funny it, at times? It's funny. Okay. It's uh, you know, people say the wrong thing at the wrong time. There's there's a little bit of criminal stuff. There's a great love story between people who probably shouldn't be together from the outside view. Um, and uh, you know, it takes a weird skewed look at morality. <laughs> Those are all things I appreciate. <laughs> Wow. And it, it's a book that also I've read probably 20 times. And every single time it gives me immense pleasure. And it makes me, it's the thing when I read it, I say, I want to write books that make people feel like this when they get done reading them. Wow. This there is, is so also hard. bad energy in there to ask, to answer Kristen's question. <laughs> this is so hard. That's this a good hard. question, Sandy. I don't. I mean, I can say that, that the book that I, you know, loved uh when i was a teenager and that um i used to like you know make everybody read because it was like this is this is my book and <laughs> i still don't know i i need to reread it because i haven't read it since i was in my 20s but um it was a, a fool's progress by edward abbey and edward abbey was uh, not edward alby the, the playwright but edward abbey was a environmentalist really early environmentalist He's actually uh, part of the, he's one of the founders of the eco-terrorist movement, really. But, um, but he was this, he was this intellectual, um, who, working class intellectual, um, you know, loved nature, would write about nature. He, he wrote amazing, um, books like Desert Solitaire, um, and, uh, and a philosopher, but also kind of a mess in his own life, a, a, a drunk. And, um, and he just had this like very earnest, messy sensibility that I related to. Um, in retrospect, uh, I think he is probably way more libertarian than liberal, which I would now probably find disturbing. And he was probably a, a, a very sexist person. Um, so those are the, the caveats I would put, but that book, Fool's Progress, which is a, his last book he wrote when he knew he was dying, is this autobiographical story about him trying to get home to, uh, Pennsylvania where he grew up um, before he dies in his 50s. And it's sort of this look back on his life and all the adventures. That was the book that I was always like, you know, if I if I met a girl, I'd be like, you have to read oh, this God. book to understand me. <laughs> oh, uh, writer, so, I, yeah. I retroactively feel shame for you. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's what being 17-year-old book what, nerd was like. What's 17-year-olds like, read Edward Abbey? Like, well, right. you. Me? <laughs> that that, but look, this is the only answer I have because I don't, I think at that age, especially, you know, back then, like, I identified with books so differently than I do now, right? Like, now I can read a book and be, I, it's, it's, I don't, like, need it to be a reflection of my personality, whether right. I like it or not. But back then, that's what, if you liked a book, it was like, is this, this explains me. I definitely don't feel that way anymore. Uh, right. I mean, it was the same way I felt about Kerouac, which we've talked about on the show. You know, any of the beats, I used to be like, this is me. You get, we're, you know, now it's just copy, so embarrassing. Copy passages from Edward Abbey and give them to girls this is how i feel about you no. but also okay. about nature <laughs> oh but also about the high sierras yeah yeah <laughs> yes yes i would john that's thanks for pointing that out <laughs> well i have always read so widely um although oh my god a memory is just coming back to me in fifth grade um there were awards given out for the class basically like superlatives like best at sports whatever and this <laughs> other girl got like 
best reader or like loves to read the most no. i got loves to read the most about animals oh, well, oh yes you were a horse girl so horse girl. Uh, i was a horse girl and a save the whales girl also a oh big time save the whales that is huge <laughs> Yeah, maybe my, my book is 50 Ways Kids Can Save the Earth, which is <laughs> and um And Julie of the Wolves. I was also a big wolf person. Oh, my God. Um, so Julie of the Wolves is this book about this girl who I think lives among the wolves. I barely remember it, but I, I remember, like, the emotions tied to it. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's that. It's probably 50 Ways Kids Can Save the Earth, to be, to be real about it. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, my reading has evolved so much. I just was, like, pulled up my Goodreads on my phone, which is why I was looking down, because I used to have this bookshelf called Favorites, and it's like, these are great books, but it's just from one tiny snapshot of my life. Right. Um, although I did add Life Among the Savages by Shirley Jackson, which we recently talked about on a podcast, because she's like, that was one I liked so much, I had to go post it on my page because I was like, this is perfect. She's so smart. She's kind of dark, but she's also really funny and lives like a real life. She's not pretending she like only lives in her house typing in the attic or something. So <laughs> that's any Shirley Jackson is really great too. Yeah. And you should also just go watch the movie Shirley, which is based on our friend Susie Merrill's book, which is also a fantastic book. Shirley by Susie Merrill. You should all go, you should all go buy it right after you buy the low desert by Todd Goldberg. Well, Sandy, uh, Tuesday. so much. We'll probably try to take a few more questions until the library cuts us off. Yeah. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy. You're awesome. Love your room. Who do we oh. have next here? I think the big question that hasn't been answered from the audience is, do our homes look like they thought our homes would look? I'm just in a <laughs> cave right now. I know. It's yeah, so strange. You can't see anything. <laughs> and I don't have a bookshelf behind me. I'm just... But you do but have I a have, flag have, from Les Mis. I have my flag from Les Miserables and Redwood Trees to represent Sonoma County. That's yeah. a picture my brother took of where I grew up. God. I will say, in case people Book are shows. curious, like, we all have – I've been to both your houses many times. Like, we all have very, very normal houses. These are not yes. celebrity digs here. These are no. just regular old houses. I They're am running out of bookshelf nice. space, though. Like I am, I am, I am maxed out, and I can't get rid of any more. So I need more bookshelves, definitely. Hi, Galen. Hi, Galen. Hi, Galen. Hi, guys. Nice to see you. Nice to see y'all. This is great. I've always wanted to come to one of your live shows, but I live on the East Coast, so never been able to. So I, it's great. I'm so it, psyched. By the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should do an East Coast live show. That should be like post-pandemic. If mission only one number of us one. owned a theater where we could do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. Huh. Wow. That got awkward fast. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. Okay, save them, Galen. Wow. So Tough. um I uh Todd, you actually introduced me to Jason Isbell. Uh had not heard of him. God's work. Poetic about him. Um, and I've listened to like a probably really unhealthy amount of Phoebe Bridgers during the pandemic. Lover. Lover. So I wanted to know what music is getting you guys through this really bizarre time. Oof. Julia, you want to go? Julia is always just listening to Britney Spears' "Work Bitch," right? Well, actually, <laughs> we, we, we all we all admitted to some Taylor Swift. Uh, yeah, I'm a Swift. Like, at the end of our year episode, just solid. So my, <laughs> this is so sad. I don't remember. I don't think we talked about this on the podcast. So I have a three year old daughter, and she's here all the time. So she's really into music. 
Um, but she gets obsessed with things and then we have to listen to them like for months. So <laughs> when the Spotify thing that was like, here are your top songs of 2020, I like forgot I wasn't cool anymore. And I was like, Ooh, let's see what my top song was. It was so funny. I died laughing. It was this Daniel Tiger song, which is a cartoon based on Mr. Rogers called good night, Daniel, that I had to play like a hundred times a day for her to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and it just <laughs> obliterated my entire Spotify algorithm. Just all kids' songs. It it hurts me in my heart. Um, but actually, Todd and Ryder are kind of right. I have been listening to more and more poppy music to insert some joy into Connecticut. <laughs> um, I recently was like, <gasps> because of the uh, because of the inauguration, I was like. <gasps> Lady Gaga? <laughs> I got way back into Lady Gaga. So, and we've done a lot of Lizzo dance parties here, like a lot. And then there was a period where I taught my daughter all the words to I Have Nothing by Whitney Houston because she was saying no so much. I was like, we're just going to find a song where Whitney says no a million times. And that's that. So that's what's been getting me through. It's like really dramatic music. So that's me. Uh- um, so one of the cool things about having a new book out is people ask you to do stuff that's cool, like DJ a radio station in France for a week. What? And, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> starting on Tuesday, uh, every night across France, I'm on a different radio station spinning. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Probably just Jason Isbell the whole time, right? No, like, you know, I, 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 I picked a diverse playlist, but like that. That's one of the perks that they don't teach you about in author school is like, oh, people will just ask you to do stuff that you would do, you know, without a problem. That's so cool. So I was trying, I tried to make a playlist of stuff that, you know, actually was about the desert area. And that ends up just being a lot of stuff that I'm listening to anyway. So in addition to Jason Isbell, which I've, you know, I listen to that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and Phoebe Bridgers, who I love inordinately, just inordinately love Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, I've been listening to a ton of uh, a alt rapper named Chesky, who Julia is friends with also. Absolutely love Chesky. <laughs> so random. His, his uh, record, Sad Fat Luck, is one of my all-time favorites. Um, and now we're friends, which makes it even cooler because now I have rapper friends. Um, <laughs> so I've been listening to that. I've been listening to a ton of old shoegaze music like during the course of the pandemic, like a lot of old Jesus and Mary Chain and joy division and stuff like that and i don't know why because it doesn't make me any happier um a lot of brian fallon he used to be the lead singer of the gaslight anthem his record that came out last year i loved um a lot of mary gautier uh she's the singer songwriter from nashville um and who else have i been listening to that's more than enough todd yeah there's like <laughs> 20 people i just listen to cartoon music songs ohio you know, you know what we should do? We should actually probably create a like a Spotify, a public Spotify playlist of oh, Larry Disco picks, and we could each pick like you know five songs or whatever to go along. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. We did the the ultimate story song literary disco playlist. It has a huge number of followers. <laughs> oh, we put it out like eight years ago. It's still there, and sometimes I'm like, oh, we should just contribute to this. I still follow it. Galen <laughs> <laughs> listens to it on a regular basis. Nice. Um, yeah, I haven't been listening to anything that I haven't talked about on the show before. Uh, the new Typhoon album is unbelievable. Really the good, lyrics yeah. are insane, and it is, you know, it's the 2020 album, and it just came out like a week or two ago. And you can 
I mean, it, it's it, it's unbelievable. And then um, Henry Jameson is the songwriter, I think, who's just writing the best lyrics, and I can't stop listening to him. And then, like, uh, a band called Beta Radio I really like, too. Um, they've consistently put out just incredible music, and I'm still listening to the Cave Singers. Um, and, you know, my, my, my range is very narrow, so it's all pretty much lyrics, you know, story, narrative stuff. But actually, the Cave Singers I've been listening to, they have a song, you guys will appreciate this, it's called Absalom, and it is very, it is indeed about lying, Absalom. about reading Absalom, Absalom. Oh. <laughs> like, the core <laughs> lyric is uh, having lied about reading books like Absalom, Absalom, and it repeats, and it's awesome. It's just this little ditty, it's like a, a minute and 30 seconds long, but it breaks my heart. I've been listening to that for the last week and a half, it's beautiful. Uh, so yeah, yeah, those are the those are the guys I've been listening to. Thank you, Galen. Thanks, Galen. Thanks Galen. for listening, Galen. All these years, we appreciate you. Oh, thank you. I love the show. It's the highlight of my you know month or biweekly or whatever. <laughs> we actually put it <laughs> Thanks, Galen. Karen has shown back up. I think she's giving us the hook, you guys. I think she's like, people need to have their lives. It's yeah. not all about you. <laughs> Ninety minutes. Of that. We can't oh, hear you. Can't we can't hear you, Karen. Though. Hmm, but you're not unmuted. still am i muted now there you are ah, okay um so i don't want to take over your guys's day um that's why i'm saying let's have one last question i think and then Ooh, we'll do no pressure here. all right so, don't make it weird last person like overseas maybe sure. yeah i don't know and while you're looking um why don't we you guys can I just want to like have you reach us if you have more questions. We Todd does actively look at our Twitter all the time. Um, all the time. Get us through Facebook. <laughs> uh, we are pretty accessible, and hopefully, we prove that we're nice. So, if you have a question that you're like dying to ask that we didn't answer, um, just shoot it over, and maybe we'll just hit it the next time we're on the on the podcast all right well, here's what i need Absolutely. you to do Karen. if you write it in the chat guys i can actually save the chat from this and send them any questions that weren't answered. that's a great idea i'm a little freaked out by the number of people who want angela to ask a question because now i feel like it's going to be weird yeah, is it going to be angela. weird angela no i uh. think it's all right I, angela has got a, a crew oh <laughs> Hi, Angela. You're, You're muted, mute. Angela. I I just love your writer, and seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I love your character, and it means a lot to me. And all these groups, the people who uh, is sub- supporting me, is a group of students uh, who did, uh, we met for you for the show, and we're really good friends. All of it. So thank you so much because I have. Oh, that's so great. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. Um, Well, uh, I can uh, can ask in Spanish because I'm not too good in English. Yeah, we have a translator. Someone tell us what's up. Yeah, if you go to the um, Spanish channel, (laughs) she can translate for you. Okay. um, Mi pregunta es, ustedes estaban hablando de las bibliotecas. Eh, Por ejemplo, aquí en México y en algunos otros países de Latinoamérica, no tenemos tanto acceso a las bibliotecas Este, no nos ponen libros que a nosotros nos interese leer. Siempre son libros no interesantes y siempre como que son para adultos, como tipo ciencias y todo eso. Y muchos recurrimos a medidas no ciertamente legales, por así decirlo, este, para encontrar y leer. 
Eh, mi pregunta es aquí, este, ¿qué opinan ustedes de la gente que eh, lee por estos medios que no son totalmente legales? ¿Creen que es malo o es bueno? Ok. My, my question for you is that uh, we don't have many libraries here in Mexico and those that we have are very limited. Our access to books is extremely limited. And most of all, we find books that are for adults or related to science. Mm. And so people like us, we tend to find certain means that are not quite legal to find and read this kind of literature. Mm. I want to know, what is your opinion about the people who have to use these not so legal means to find literature to read like me? Tricky question. <laughs> good question. Uh, yeah, it's a great question. It's kind of difficult, I know. You know, um, to be perfectly honest with you, um, libraries are free. And so if you are going to a place like, say, archive.org that has that free library of stuff, and I don't know how much stuff they have in translation, um, and getting books from there, or you know, downloading something in translation that's not uh, available in Spanish somewhere else and say you're not gainfully employed and in your late 30s, just take it. (laughs) 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 Just take it. You know what? No one's losing any money from you. Um, And your edification, your uh, depth of learning, your ability to gain empathy from the written word Um, your immersion into literature is more important than as an author than me earning 19 cents from you, I assure you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then then the only other thing I would say is, uh, you know, there are so many good free books out there. There are the classics and I know, I know, you know, it it can sound really boring to read a book that's two or 300 years old, but man, they're still good. (laughs) The good ones are still good. And if, you know, you can put, you can, start them and always fit, you know, put them aside if they're boring. But like, man, when we read Middlemarch, like I was amazed at how much I, I still think about that book and it was mm-hmm. hard. Uh, and that was, you know, that's an extreme example because it's so freaking long, but I will say, you know, uh, reading, reading, reading old books that are publicly available is enough. You know, it yeah. can be enough. Um, there are, there's so many great things out there. Um, yeah, it's just, you just gotta try them. Yeah. The good, the Gutenberg project has, you know, everything that's in the public domain available for as an ebook, for instance. Yeah. Sorry, I have Julie, two I didn't more thoughts you. for you. No, that's okay. Um, one, and this is only triggered because we just did an episode on it like four days ago, but there's so many good short stories online mm-hmm. for free. Um, you can read so widely uh, and so much looking for short stories or great nonfiction as well. But the other thing is, I've talked about this a million times, but I've gotten so into audiobooks. Um, and I'm guessing those might be easier for you to get <laughs> if you have a book you're dying to read, like either buy it legitimately or find the file somewhere or share it. You can, uh, you can get audiobooks from libraries too, using apps. Um, if there's something you really want to read, see if you can get it on audio because it yeah. is a great experience to listen to a great book. And finally do what you got to do, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you one more good resource. Um, there's there are a couple websites. One's called Net Galley, and the other one is called Edelweiss, and they are um, places where book critics like the three of us download books for free for review. 
And so say, for instance, Angela, you started your own blog called Angela's Review Site, and you started periodically reviewing books on that site, you could then go to NetGalley and get essentially every single brand new book that you want for free. That's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a, that's a good one to check out. And they also have audio books as well. Awesome. That's great. That's a great recommendation. Angela, you're awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Angela. Thanks, Angela. All right. So that was the final question. If you have any more questions, put them in the chat for Literary Disco. I just want to thank you guys so much for coming to our event today. I really, really appreciate it. You did it for free. I can't, (laughs) like, believe my luck. And I'm, I'm a loyal listener for life. You're welcome at the Petaluma Library anytime. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Petaluma Library is beautiful, by the way. I've been there. You're not too far from the best hand pie restaurant in all of Petaluma also. Which so restaurant is that? You know, that, that little place with the hand pies in that little courtyard. Are you talking about the Petaluma Pie Company? Yes, I am. Sounds amazing. <laughs> they happen I'm to be one of our sponsors. Oh, my God. There it's so go. good. <laughs> so so I good. I also say, if people want to think that they have a book that we should read, you just throw that in the chat, too, or tweet us. And we're yeah. not going to read all of them, but we do pick up a lot of suggestions that way. Yeah, we need suggestions. We do indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate you. Yes, thank you so much, everybody, for coming. Bye. 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 Be safe out there. Wear masks. Don't lick anything. (laughs) 